The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. And uh, lots to get to. Some news today. Trev gets taken care of. We'll get you the particulars on Trev Alberts and his extension. Satterfield speaks. We'll hear from Coach Sat and also some Tony White as Nebraska moves full bore into Wisconsin week. And uh, plenty to get into with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Mitch will be with us in about 15 minutes. And in hour two, excited to spend time with Jeremiah Searles, former Husker and NFL standout. We'll get Searles' take on Nebraska whiskey. He likes a a glass of whiskey. And uh, I I would say that's the game Searles probably had circled on uh, on the calendar every year uh, when it comes to trying to beat the, the, the Badgers. Barry Alvarez also going to join us, longtime AD and college football Hall of Famer and great linebacker at Nebraska. So BA going to join us, Barry Alvarez, in our two numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240. can also dial up across the Hale Varsity Radio Network, one 800 825 5865 5865 and can email chris at hailvarsity.com. Find the show, can watch it on the City YouTube channel. Watch the uh, stream that way, Varsity Radio Twitter. Give that a follow at HVarsity Radio, Facebook and Twitter also with KFOR or wherever you hear us on the radio or stream busy day elijah how you shaking you doing all right you, you geared up you're still smiling with the mulligan field goal with your donks last night 12 men on the field re-kick and uh, you walk off and did you see the tweet last night that said looks like russell wilson's still benefiting from the 12th man possibly i love, love that. that love that's, that that's that, was a, that was a big win for the broncos there Right back into playoff contention, which is awesome. I mean, four and five, still below 500, but you have about six or seven teams in the AFC that are within about two wins of each other in that wild card hunt. Mm. So everything is still in front of the Broncos. They made it through pretty much their hardest stretch of the season, playing the Chiefs twice and the Bills, and then the Packers as well. The Packers kind of sucked this year, but that's okay. Yeah. You made it through the hardest stretch there. Be, be gentle because Jacob Padilla. Uh, is always set to join us on Fridays, and if you talk too much bad Packer noise, he may uh, he may boycott us. Uh, my roommate, big Packers fan, friend of mine, Alex, big Packers fan. They understand how bad the Packers mm. are this year. They don't even. Get, it's like me whenever we were talking about the Broncos on the air last year. Like I could laugh about the Broncos because I understood how bad they are. I think that's about where Packers fans are. Luckily, the Broncos aren't there. Their turnaround from that 70-point debacle against the Dolphins to where that defense is at now, nine takeaways in five games. It's been something to behold. Russell Wilson is showing glimpses of prime rust, like that touchdown to the back corner of the end zone last night. That was fantastic. All I'm saying, it's fun to be a Broncos fan again. Is it fun to be a Nebraska fan? Good tweet out. You touched on it before the road trip to Michigan State. 
But our friend Husker guys, their Twitter account's got a poll up to give them a quick shout-out and acknowledgement. But as you've gotten into November, as your tune changed, yes, on one hand for Elijah, he's uh, it's fun to be a Denver fan, at least in the moment. How about right now for Nebraska football? Has this Nebraska football season been fun? And, you know, I'd say... Yes and no. Like the the you can you can say sort of, right? <laughs> you can straddle the fence and I don't like doing that cuz bad things happen if you slip. Uh but the defense has been great. The offense has been that proverbial pole to the nether regions uh, as you slip off the fence while straddling. Cuz the offense is uh listen, I think you can feel good about the O-line getting better. I think you can feel good about the run game. It's the turnovers. I think it's okay to be excited for the future, but from a present standpoint, man, you want to get six and you want to go to a bowl game. If it is the oil change bowl in Detroit, so be it. Uh, Brandon says, absolutely not. It has not been fun. Um, well, that, but say you, even if you split these final two, you go six and six, uh, it's it's not been fun for many of you because they've been bone-crushing, soul-sucking, uh, close losses. I'm able to separate, and I've seen enough football in my life through 400 different coaching changes, that I can separate a one-score Scott Frost loss and I can separate a, a Matt Rule one-score loss. I can. Uh, and, well, how do you do that? I mean, it's it's kind of some same things over and over. You're beating your head against the wall. Yes, with turnovers, okay? I fully believe Nebraska's quarterback situation will get better next season, either with what they've got in the room to coach up or more likely going to the portal or some sort of combination of the events. Uh, But it it has to get better. I think the offensive line is going to continue to get better. You had a lot coming back on the offensive line. And I'm not fast-forwarding past this season. I think you have a chance to go win Saturday night. And uh, why do I believe that? I I think your defense is going to continue to will this football team to be in every football game. And listen, there's always the other guys you got to worry about. uh, Sometimes for the bad and sometimes, well, they're in a – listen – uh, Luke Fickle's squad looks a lot more like a team that is questioning their love and buy-in for the new guy than you've ever seen uh, Wisconsin go through. They didn't have this with Christ. They didn't have this with uh, with the pig farmer. Uh, they didn't have this with Barry. Okay, so we'll talk to Barry a little bit about that. What he's seeing from trips between Florida and Madtown and Madtown and Florida. He's back for every game, so. Wisconsin's in a real spot. Either they respond or they roll over. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not used to this. They are absolutely not used to, to losing, let alone losing like they have. And, I mean, they just got it handed to them. Do they have it in them to come back and throw another punch? Or are they, are they just done? Are they just waiting for the season to get done? Because this is uh, square peg round hole was our theme yesterday. It is... It is a lot like year one of the Callahan era with what talent you have and what you're trying to do on offense. We've talked about it with Nebraska and their play calling on offense. It's worked defensively with the talent you inherited and you've coached up and you've developed. Offensively, Nebraska's gotten better despite some injuries on the offensive line. Uh, I know they've, they've 
kind of been a mess against Michigan State. They responded against Maryland. They've not been perfect, but they've been they've been better, and they, they've kind of kind of hit their stride. There's some confidence there. So, has the season been fun? If they finish these last two off, without without a doubt, I vote for fun. Yeah, give me the final score. Of, of both these games, and, and a lot of Nebraska fans will be chiming in. Montana Husker, thanks for your submission. Um, uh, Brandon is going to Wisconsin Friday for Saturday night jump around. Good for you, Brandon. But a lot of Nebraska fans right now are just like, eh, I don't know. See, and the, the, the thing is, to me, with this, and, and CK Cash, he's got Mason Mount. Do you know who that is? Mason Mount is his profile picture here on the stream. Good. Soccer. Soccer, yes, you nailed it. I plays, saw the jersey. Plays for Chelsea. I, I'm not a big Mason Mount fan, but shout out to CK Cash for chiming in. I'll, I'll let it slide on this one. He says, as painful it is as it is to be a Husker fan right now, it's going to feel so good when this program comes There's it. There it is. It's the faith and, and, the, and the belief mm-hmm. that, listen, despite these missteps and some uh, momentary misery, you can see, or at least you believe, that guess what? Rules approach his confidence, his development, his culture, this thing could have gone sideways real quick after 0-2. This thing could have gone real sideways after Michigan. And how'd they, how'd they respond? They res- responded with some wins against teams that, all right, you've not normally beaten, but you've also seen these teams go on and have some pretty impressive wins after the fact. Uh, so... Rule has said you're you're a better team than you think you are, but you're still in that five and seven to seven and five range. And six in the middle, while going into November feels like a tough situation because of Maryland, because of because of Michigan State. You, you know, don't there's no illusion that Wisconsin or Iowa was going to be a split. Even I mean, when you filled out your garage calendar slash schedule or wherever your Husker Den is when you put your, your score predictions for the year. I don't know how many of you had 2-0 and versus 0-2, or at best, maybe 1-1. One one. So has it been fun? I think it's fun to see this team grow, and I think it's fun to see this culture put in place, and I think it's fun to see the kids fight because they've been through a hell of a lot of adversity. I respect the heck out of this football team. And I think it's important with this conversation, has the season been fun, to put it into context because – Fun is not a yes or a no. better than last year. Fun is, that's what I'm saying. Fun is not a yes or a no. It's a spectrum of how mm. much fun are you having. Like Nebraska and fans, I'm sure, having a hell of a lot more fun than Wisconsin fans this year. Wisconsin fans are down in the dumps because the past decade for them has been fun up until last year. Last year, you fire the head coach, and you feel like, okay, now we have hope. Luke Fickle's going to come in and save it. And, and you built it up too much if you're a Wisconsin fan. I'm sure this year has not been fun for them. Just like the past five years hasn't been fun for Nebraska. Has the, this growing, year, the growing pains ta- stuff we talk about is, is very real in year mm-hmm. one. Ha- has this season been fun all around? No. Has the month of November been fun? Eh. Not yet. Not yet. There, there's been may- moments. May- maybe not. The problem with Husker football this season is, is at times during the game it's fun. At times it isn't. At times during the season it's been fun. But what I'll say is like every single time that defense steps on the field, it's pretty damn fun. Mm-hmm. Whenever the offense is running the football, pounding the rock, moving the football, picking up first downs on the ground, it's pretty damn fun. Turnovers, infuriating. That final drive, whenever Maryland drives down the field in a couple plays, infuriating, not very fun. 
but there's been more fun moments in this season than in years past. And I think overall, seeing this team grow, you can see it get better on a week-by-week basis, and you can see the end vision with all of that in mind. I think it has been fun up to this point. Now, that being said, if Nebraska finishes the year at 5-7, and seven, I think my tune on this would change in terms of has this year been fun. But as of right now, with Nebraska sitting at 5-5, five and five, still able to make it to a bowl game, still with two somewhat winnable games in front of you with Wisconsin and Iowa, both these games are going to be in a dogfight, and I guarantee Nebraska's defense is going to keep them in it. It's going to be fun. The only two games I think I can look back on this year and say that wasn't fun Michigan, Michigan and Colorado. In Colorado. In the sec- I, I, would say, I would say Minnesota. I would Colorado, that the first half, watching the defense. Minnesota was fun. Minnesota answer. was frustrating, but Minnesota was fun up until the final five minutes. See, in, in Minnesota, the, the final five, though, wasn't fun because it was there. And you're, you, you're going to have three left on the table this year that you're going to want back to get one, to get to six. And it's going to be Minnesota. It's going to be Michigan State. It's going to be Maryland. And, and Nebraska moving forward, uh, they're going to have those lessons learned, right? Presumably, where it's going to be like this every November. It's going to be like this every Big Ten game where it's a one-score game. You're not going to win all of them, but you need to win most of them. And the guys that are going to be playing for future years in Lincoln, they're getting a taste of that right now. So uh, it's, it's, it's temporary uh, – Adjustment. It's temporary pain. Uh, Elijah checks in, not you. Well, damn it, I just finished watching Rule's press conference from yesterday. We've already exceeded expectations. I'll be disappointed if we don't get to six, but I won't be disappointed with the season. I think the, the point that you went into November just needing one with five wins, because you, you, you cleared that hurdle of, of all right, in reality, the S and P said five and seven, six and six to project the season when they did all the analytics and uh, all of the um, algorithm stuff that those the Bill Conley does. You're, you're where you're supposed to be now. You've traded out an Illinois win for maybe a Maryland or Michigan State loss, and I guess where those teams, I think that the part that's not fun is is who you've lost to and what they've turned out to be, right? You lost to Maryland when they're really down. And you lost to Michigan State when they were really, really down. And the Buffs are a shadow of what they were to start the season. Minnesota is like everybody else in the West. Depending on the day, they can beat you. Depending on the day, they can lose to you. And it's all centered around the the uh, god-awful turnovers that, that exist in college football. Ed checks in. We're playing for something in November. It's been a while since that's happened. Yes, it is fun. And it's different for everybody. It's not as fun as 97. Well, and, and that's, that, that's that, what that, you that's, hear. That's, I think, the problem with, with, with this conversation as a whole is fun is a spectrum. And no, it's not 97. No, it's not 2009. But I think you can look back maybe in, in four years when Nebraska is going 10 and 2. If Nebraska is going 10 and 2, you'll look back on this 2023 season and in hindsight, you'll remember it more fondly than what it feels like now. But I think all things considered, this season is fun. Maybe not in the way you'd like, maybe not in Nebraska going 10 and 2 and playing for a conference title game and, and all these things. But it's fun in a completely different way. As Matt Rule said, following, I believe it was the Illinois game, seeing the build. And seeing these guys get more confident, seeing them learn how to win is fun, assuming that 
two or three years Follows from now, through. The, the product is better and this doesn't lead to another, it's not another failed coaching experiment. It, the, the, the benefit of hindsight will affect how we remember this season greatly. Well, 2018 ended on a, man, this thing was looking bleak. You started that 0-6 and, and you, you ended up with uh, a push towards the end and 4-8 and and felt a lot better. This year at 5-7, and 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, dare I say, um, will will completely shape your tune going into year two. Uh, we'll get to more of your comments. We'll talk with Mitch Sherman. We'll hear from Coach Satterfield, Barry Alvarez, Jeremiah Searles all on the way. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Tuesday edition, Hale Varsity Radio. We welcome in Mitch Sherman. And I missed the Mitch Sherman intro. Well, we'll get, uh, it, we'll get it next week. Mitch, Mitch isn't going to unleash the fury now. I'm sure he will. At Mitch Sherman on Twitter with The Athletic. Mitch, busy day today. How are we hanging? I'm hanging. I'm hanging in there, Elijah. You can just play the, uh, you can just play the, the sound with Matt Rule talking about you again if, if you want to do that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll unleash that fury here in a little bit. But, right. Mitch, right. we'll, like we'll, we'll start with, with Trev Albert's extension. Thoughts? Yeah, clearly Ted Carter felt like he needed to do something before we're leaving uh, for Ohio State at the end of next month. And, and what he needed to do was lock up Trev Alberts for a, a long period of time. And obviously if, uh, well, you know, we've seen in the past at Nebraska where administrators and coaches have been extended prematurely and it's not gone the best way and, and there have been ramifications to pay for that, and I'm not in any way suggesting that's going to be the case with Trev. I think it's good for Nebraska to lock him up, or it would potentially be in danger of losing him, um, despite him being born and, and well, not born, but raised uh, raised in his professional, his collegiate and professional life as as a as a Husker. Uh, he, as Ted Carter said, w- would be an attractive candidate to to for anyone to hire. So by doing this. Uh, Nebraska is ensuring, or as coming as as close as it can to ensuring that he is going to be here for the next eight years, and that's great for the stability of the Nebraska athletic department, which needs stability as it as it the school ushers in a new chancellor and will soon be bringing in a new president for the university system. So um, this is this is a an important moment for Nebraska, also as it. It, it sets out in January to start some of the preliminary work to uh, renovate Memorial Stadium and spend $450 million on that and a project that could have a price tag that, that swells swells beyond that number. So um, big and um, significant all around for the university and the athletic department. And Mitch, if my math is correct, I believe it is. I wasn't a math major, but I was, I was doing some tabulation. And while you're talking about about the, the the price tag, I believe this comes out if all the bonuses are paid. If Trev Albert sticks out for the full eight years of his contract, I believe it comes out to eight years and twenty one million dollars. And I want to get your reaction to that being the price tag for Trev Albert. Is that the way of college athletics? Because that's a big number. It is when you consider you're paying your football coach seventy four million over eight years. It uh, it looks like it's probably in line. I mean, this is a this is a sport and a, a landscape for college sports that's changed a lot and continues to change with the money that's coming in from 
Fox and NBC and CBS and all the Big Ten's new media partners. Um, you have, of course, the league expanding next year. So, you know, it's you know more so than ever, Nebraska has chosen to play in the big leagues, and it doesn't want to take a step back. So you have to pay like you're in the big leagues. And there will be more eye-opening numbers, I'm sure, that, that appear on the on the radar uh, as as the the months and years go by. I mean, at some point, you're going to have to uh, pay your defensive coordinator, maybe sometime fairly soon. You're going to have to pay your defensive coordinator more than what he's making now. He's already making more. I'm talking about Tony White, who was announced as the Royals Award finalist, or Royals Award um, candidate today, already making more than any defensive coordinator in school history and is probably going to be in line for a raise. So these are just the kind of stories that you're going to hear. The money that was that was normal five years ago or ten years ago is, is, is not going to be normal now. It's all going to be bigger. And that started with the football coach who got a $74 million contract a year ago, and now you see it with the AD um, getting a, a big bigger deal than – than any athletic directors ever received in Nebraska, but it's just keeping keeping up with the times. You have Mitch Sherman with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Mitch with the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, a thought on today's media session? You had Coach White, Coach Satterfield, a handful of players. What stuck out to you about Satterfield? Um. Well, I mean, they're staying the course. Um, I, they, there wasn't necessarily anything headline worthy that came out of him. He said, I'm not a psychologist. Uh, that was, that was uh, in reference to Jeff Sims and how they fixed his turnover issues. And Satterfield says, my job is to keep coaching him. Uh, I, you know, I, I still tend to, to, to lean in the direction that they're looking at Chubba Purdy as the guy on, on Saturday at Wisconsin. I mean, Sims obviously brings someone who's in, in, in better shape right now is healthier, but I don't think he's healthy in every way. I think he's healthy uh, physically, but he's 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 not he doesn't look fit and hasn't looked fit and didn't again on Saturday um, in every way to be the, the quarterback who can lead them to wins. And then Nebraska doesn't know if it has that in Chuba Purdy, but in the drive that he was out there, say for that last play, which obviously is a huge play, he did a nice job. And I think they're at the place in in the progression of this season. You know, it's almost a desperate position Nebraska's in right now, where you're, you're just going to try to find something that you haven't done because what you've done up to this point at quarterback hasn't worked with the exception of a stretch with Heinrich Harburg when he was healthy and, and, and confident where he was getting the job done and he wasn't turning the ball over. But um, that ship has, has sailed because now he's turning it over and he's hurt. So uh, if they end up going with Purdy, I think you can look at it and say, well, um, at least they're going, they're, they're trying to dip, they're trying to look behind a different door because they've opened all the doors that they've opened to this point have, um, have turned them away and, and put them in the spot where they're five and five with two, two weeks left. It's Mitch Sherman with us here on Hale Varsity Radio talking Nebraska, what we heard from the coordinators today in beginning our look ahead to Nebraska and Wisconsin. And Mitch, I want to bring us back to what Schmidt and I discussed back in the first segment. And it's a, it's a complex answer for such a seemingly simple question. Our topic for the first segment was, has this football season been fun for Husker fans? I want to get your take on that in terms of what is fun, A, as a football fan, and B, has this season been fun? I don't think as a whole, overall, through 10 games, it's been a lot of fun. And, and that's, that's what 27 turnovers will do, and minus 14 in that category. I, I don't 
And there have been moments that, that have been enjoyable and I think fun. Absolutely. Um, it was, and, and really what you're looking at are, is that three game stretch uh, in the, in the big 10 after Michigan, when it looked like Nebraska was starting to put something together, but that's three weeks out of 10. You know, I don't know that the, the, the other two wins were all that much fun when Nebraska beat Northern Illinois and, Louisiana Tech to get its record even after what was the tough road stretch to begin the season. So really, you just look at those three games. And there were parts of all of those games, too, that weren't a lot of fun. Um, the Purdue game maybe a, a bit of an exception, just, just just a little blip in the fourth quarter that uh, went against Nebraska, and then it answered the bell and, and won that game going away. But I, I think fun is, is, is you know, <laughs> I mean, it's a it's kind of a simple thing be, being able to enjoy yourself at the game and and not. I mean, you don't want everything to be a blowout, and you can have a lot of fun in close games. But you know, having a close game against Michigan um, or Ohio State or you know Wisconsin is a lot more fun than than a close game uh, against. I'm not going to slander any opponents here, just because Nebraska is not in a position to be able to do that, but. Uh, a, a Nebraska is a lower division Big Ten team. Let's just be clear about that. But Nebraska strives to be a Big Ten team that's in the upper half of the conference, and it wants to be able to win games against some of the programs that it struggled with this year without having to sweat a ton. That may never, that may not be the reality um, ever again. It may not be the reality um, in the near future or the or the long term future. But I think still that's that that's that's part of what would define fun for for Nebraska football fans is. is to be able to, to go to the game and not have to sweat it out, but you know that's that 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 that's um, you know that reality is has long ago left. Mitch, a thought as we wind down on Nebraska, Wisconsin, uh, low scoring probably potentially, and uh, advantage is is what for Nebraska going in. I think they're in a better place. Um, the mentality of the team, I think Wisconsin's shaken. Uh, with the with the way things have gone, and it's not like it's gone all that much worse for the Badgers than it has for Nebraska, but Nebraska's lost a couple of three point games in the last two weeks, and Wisconsin has been getting uh, thumped by the likes of Indiana and Northwestern, and I think that's that's taken a toll on their psyche. And Wisconsin wasn't expecting this, wasn't used to this. Where Nebraska, you you expect uh, you expect a close game, and I think the players expect that, and I think they they they're in a good. They're in a good place with their mentality, as good as you can be coming coming into the final two weeks of the year on a two-game losing streak. So Nebraska, I think, has an advantage there to to be in a place where, and we said this same thing the last two weeks because it, it played Michigan State coming off six straight losses. It played it played Maryland coming off four consecutive defeats, and, and here Wisconsin has lost three in a row. Uh, but I'll you know I'll say the same thing that if Nebraska can jump on jump on the Badgers and, and get out to a lead and it doesn't have to be a big lead, maybe a 10 point lead, then you, uh, that could, that can be a, you know, that can be a real bonus for the Huskers. It can be something that, that I think translates to a day in Madison that maybe that is the day where Nebraska has fun because I think get, getting out of there with any kind of a win would be fun for people considering all the misery, misery that, that the Huskers have endured at Camp Randall Stadium since joining the Big Ten. It'd be a little extra special, wouldn't it? I mean, uh, of all places to, to get that bull streak snapped, to do yep. it in a place you've gone over, uh, in a program you've gone over against, uh, yeah. except for the ugly uniform game? Yeah, there would be some irony there. Um, this was the program that Nebraska came into the Big Ten and 
you know, for all of the 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 border rivalry that exists with Iowa and the and the trophy that was created, uh, Wisconsin was the program from the beginning that Nebraska resembled the most, or believed that it resembled the most. And of course, the Badgers were built out of the model of Nebraska football with Barry Alvarez. And for them not to match up as badly as Nebraska has failed to match up to Wisconsin, going all the way back to that 2012 uh, or 2011. Um, 2012? 2012. That was 2012. Yep, 2012. That championship game with the Badgers hanging 70 on Nebraska. It's been so one-sided, entirely one-sided ever since that point. So, yeah, if Nebraska were were able to find a way to go into Madison where it lost its first ever Big Ten road game and get a victory uh, to to get to bowl eligibility after a drought like it's seen, like it's never seen in in school history or or in, in the last 60 years, then that absolutely would, would be kind of poetic and, and have some irony, and, and I think it would, it would be all that much more meaningful for people who've been around the Nebraska program a long time. Mitch, we'll check in with you. Thanks again for the time today. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Take there care. is Mitch Sherman. Check Mitch out with Bill Dolman and uh, the Average Joe podcast. That is dropped, so enjoy that one. Can you believe I was in eighth grade the last time Nebraska beat Wisconsin? Well, how uh, different was your life 11 years ago? That's wild to think about. Junior still had bad teeth. Um, We'll get into Marcus Satterfield, his thoughts. Coach Alvarez on the way. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by your friends at Cornhead Lager. Reminder, too, about your friends at Dyer Law. Workers' Compensation. Confused about the options for your workers' compensation claim? But put your trust in the team at Dyer Law to help ensure that your rights are protected and that you get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law and their team today at 402-393-7529, 402-393-7529, or visit Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. That's Dyer Dot law four eight nine twelve forty more comments too from the stream yard in hour two we'll check in with Jeremiah Searles about uh, twenty five minutes away Barry Alvarez will be with us at five twenty five his take on the Wisconsin program he's kept an eye on the Big Red Nebraska some college football uh, housekeeping Michigan and uh, Iowa to to look at as well. So Dave checks in. If we win Saturday and get to six, the topic, of course, when we started the show was, has this season been fun? Uh, After the Purdue game, uh, in our post game, our Real Red reaction, Elijah, you said this season's been fun. You were right. It then turned not fun, if you're a Nebraska fan, with uh, uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda, uh, two of those. And I'm able to separate you know, what was not fun about the Frost era in these close losses. The record's been well spelled out. And I think right now as a Nebraska fan, you can see it eventually turning around when it comes to close ball games because Rule from the get-go has been preaching, listen, it's going to be like this, get used to it. They just got to figure out a way to get better. Maybe that happens with Chubb Pretty on Saturday if he's the guy. We'll hear from Satterfield in just a moment. But Dave says if we win Saturday, get to six, the vibe in the stadium for the Iowa game will be completely different whether we win or not. If we lose to Iowa and finish with only five wins, that will not be fun. And it'll be the second time they keep you home 
for the holidays. Uh, let's hear from Marcus Satterfield as uh, he spoke with the media today. Uh, we'll get the, uh, the, the clip and uh, all that set up. Send me those so I can, uh, okay, I can do that. tell you uh, what to call and what to play. But no, the, 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 the play calling has been beaten up. We've commented on it. And, uh, you know, it's hindsight being 2020 right now with Nebraska football and what uh, what they should have done, what they wanted to do, and then obviously what happened. Uh, that that was not fun. Folks are still screaming about that. Give the defense a chance, right? Well, was Satterfield asked about it, uh, and you heard Mitch talk a little bit about just where things are at. Uh, let's hear from Satterfield, though, just what's going on. Cut one with the quarterback situation. Where do things stand as of Tuesday afternoon? We're getting them all ready. Uh, Heinrich was limited uh, today. He got to be out there, though, and go get a lot of mental reps. Uh, Chubba and Jeff both uh, split the reps today in team periods and, and did a really nice job. So, all right, working through the turnover issues, Sims and company, uh, all the quarterbacks have been affected. I'm not a psychologist, so I can't really major in that. You just keep coaching, and for him, he just keeps playing. And, uh, you know, you, obviously we don't want to turn the ball over, and we can't turn the ball over. And you just, you know, as me, my job is just to keep coaching him and making sure that I'm giving him every opportunity to be successful. So I've got to, you know, if it's how I, ch- how I change how I talk to him during the game, during the practice week, whatever it is, I have to make sure that I'm giving the young man the best chance to go out there and be successful. Well, and, and that's what's really been called into question, Right. Uh, is that a strength of said player? And you know what? Chuba is a guy that, that can throw the football. Is he better at, at reads right now in his career? You're working with two of the three guys that ha- don't have a lot of in-game experience, and, and that's, that's problematic. Um, you have one guy that just can't stay out of his own way, and, and more, uh, cut five, the root of these turnovers. Sat was asked about, you know, what, what's the deal? Why, why are these happening to your quarterbacks? Cut five. I think just experience and decision making. And I think that all, it's easy to, to stand up here and say, well, it's, it's, the, you know, it's the quarterback's fault. Well, ultimately, I take full responsibility because I've got to train these guys and to make sure they're seeing what they're seeing and seeing what they're supposed to be seeing and getting the ball where it's supposed to be. So uh, I think experience, I think the more reps that we can get at it with some of these guys uh, will improve uh, the turnover issue. But I think we just have to keep plugging away and keep working at it. It's frustrating, frustrating for them, frustrating for me, frustrating for our team. And so we just keep attacking it, talking about it, trying to make sure that we uh, stay as far away as we as many of those as we possibly can. But we've got to improve that for hey, sure. So with Sims, let's dive a little further into the decision-making with Sims. Cut seven. I think it's, it's decision-making within our offense, not, not being in this offense, uh, you know, a long time. And, you know, he got two games early. It's, he's been, you know, sitting on the sideline now for a couple of games and coming back in, it's like restarting a season for him. So uh, it, it's ultimately decision-making, you know, by all of us. But, you know, I think that, you know, he's, he's committed. He's out there today, had a great attitude, good energy about him. He's committed to going out there. And obviously nobody wants to throw interceptions. And uh, so I think he's working this, you know, very diligently at, making sure that we're prepared and those don't happen. So a lot's been talked about with Nebraska, their 
play selection but, and their and their execution. But before we go there, can I just mention one concern I have whenever Marcus Satterfield talks about the turnovers? Back-to-back stops, back-to-back-to-back seasons where turnovers has, have been an issue. And you wonder, does he have the solution? He talks about, well, it falls on me, and I need to make sure that I give these guys right. easier decisions and they get more experience. Well, are you going to in the moment? That, that's the question. Yeah, because you ranked dead last in the SEC in turnovers two years ago at South Carolina. You ranked dead last in turnovers in the SEC last year at South Carolina. One of the worst in the country in both of those. And then, oh, you look at this year, it's more of the same. Dead last in turnovers in all of college football. and Dead last in the Big Ten. You, you, you reach a point where you wonder, do you even have the answers in order to deal with this? Because it's been such a continued problem. Who are you putting back there as a decision maker? You're the decision maker on offense. You're the offensive coordinator. You're the guy that wants... Uh, this this power run game and pro-style ability so you can be balanced. Totally get it. You get a quarterback that can wing it. You don't have to worry about having uh, them run the football because guess what? Your offensive line's good enough to uh, to run it, and you've got uh, stable running backs, man, that can, that can get downhill. Like, I get the plan. I get the blueprint. But, but right now, when I look at Nebraska, and you, you mentioned decision-making, like, who do you have behind center, and what are you hammering home during practice? And are they doing this in practice? Or is it just the, the game situation that that moment is, is too big for some guys? And listen, in all fairness to, to, to Heinrich and, and Chuba, they've not played enough football in games in major college football to, to, to completely write them off. Sims has played a lot of football. At a Power 5 level, he's played the Florida States. He's played the, the the Hurricanes. He's played the Clemsons. He's played, I mean, whoever you think's worth a damn in the ACC, he's seen them all. Now, that is fair. He's not been in this offense under this coordinator a long time. But when he's been in, it's it's been an issue. We'll uh, get Satterfield's take here when it comes to, to guys getting to go play and, and not playing in fear. We'll wind down hour one. It's Hail Varsity Radio. Hail Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point at you, yeah. On Hail Varsity Radio. Ten-minute mark. Uh, Jeremiah Searle's going to be with us. Thoughts on Nebraska, Wisconsin, the quarterbacks. And, oh, yeah, a deep dive into the Badgers' ills, along with uh, thoughts on the Big Red from former Husker and Badger headman Barry Alvarez. Next hour, reminder about buckling up, hands on the wheel, eyes and focus straight ahead. The driver has one job. That's to drive. This message brought to you by the NDOT Highway Safety Office. A couple more thoughts from Marcus Satterfield, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Herbal Essence for Elijah, at Schmidt underscore radio for me. But the topic of just going and playing, but also not having that fear, Sat was asked about that and in reference to that third down play call. Which cut? Cut eight. Play to win the game. Like we don't, we can't let exterior factors affect anything that we do from practice, from preparation to the way we play the game. Uh, I'm going to kind of go off on a tie, not a tie right here, but like 
it, it's we may not be playing at an elite level right now, but I you know you all don't see what I see as far as how they come to work and the energy that they practice with and the preparation that they do, uh, teammates that they are. Uh, it's really cool. This group is is getting better and better and better, and our best days are ahead of us. And I think that they're coming soon. And I can't wait, you know, to see all this come to fruition, this hard work. You know, I, I just am really proud of the way that they're, they're attacking this thing, you know, because it's not easy and, and they're not making excuses. They're just getting up and attacking it every single day. And I applaud them for it. Well, and that's just it. And uh, NU Grandpa checks in, making the sausage isn't fun, but boy, the finished product with all the fixings will be fun. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Could be a really good meal. Right now you're just trying to survive winter and get the kill. Creating the sausage is fun in a different way. It's like cooking dinner. You know what? Cooking dinner. You're thinking of the Seinfeld episode where uh, Newman and Kramer are making sausage, and it looks incredible because they're playing polka music. Yes. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong there. Yeah. But my point still stands in that, like, making dinner, not as fun as eating dinner. But it still can be fun if you appreciate it in the right way. You know what sucks doing the dishes afterwards. That's why you leave them for the kid. <laughs> Fair enough. But like, but the, the making dinner aspect of things, you're, you're watching the thing be created. It's fun, but it's fun in a completely different way. And that's kind of how I feel about this Husker season this year is it's fun in a completely different way than previous seasons of, of fun with Husker football. It's not as fun as 97, as I said. Not as fun as pick a Husker season from the 90s, let's be honest. Not necessarily as fun as the 90 wasn't seasons, a lot of fun. But it's, it's fun in a different way to see this team grow despite the frustrations, despite the turnovers, despite everything that's gone wrong, it's a hell of a lot more fun than the past five years has been. I'll say that. That's fair. Uh, Brian checks in. We're going to find out a lot about Nebraska Saturday night, a la the Illinois game. I think it's a similar opportunity, right? Uh, You had the Sunday practice. Well, you've had two uh, games that were just off, where you had a chance despite your own imperfections because – you made enough plays on, on defense and you made a couple of plays on offense. And you just, that's what's going to be fun is seeing if this team can figure out how to close, right? Can they close and can they take with them these, uh, these lessons? And Rule talks a lot about that, all the lessons as a, as a teacher. Well, we'll get some Searle's thoughts. He'll kick off Hour 2 at Tale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt, and Elijah Herbal. Back into it. It's hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, our favorite Husker NFL lineman, Jeremiah Searles, with us. And we're uh, streaming as well. Papa Searles at Searles71 underscore HSKR. Searles, it is Wisconsin week, which means the hat is on backwards for you. Mm. I hate Wisconsin. There's no, there's no throwing punches about it. There's nothing about that school that I like. Now, I did rep a player from there, so I did like him. But as a whole, like, they dealt me my worst loss in my entire football career. 
they went there on jump around and I got to hear Moneyball and Russell Wilson over and over again on college game day. I don't love Wisconsin. I hope that this team can feel that there's a lot of the players that played in the Big Ten initially. Like, that's the team that we loathe entirely. I know Iowa. It's easy to hate Iowa. They're pig farmers out east. But if you can truly point to a team that I think that I say I would hate the most or have the biggest rivalry with, it is definitely the Wisconsin Badgers. Well, well, Searles, while you mention Russell Wilson, my tune on him has changed in the past four weeks. I got to get your take on last night, Monday Night Football. First of all, no one was better for watching that game. Like the, the, everyone that watched that game was just like, well, that was a waste of my life. Like the fact that they only won by one with how many turnovers, how many times did Josh Allen go? Here you go. And then, I mean, but Russell Wilson, he's playing better. Cortland Sutton's playing better. Jerry Judy ever since getting called a bad person by Steve Smith on national TV has become better. Like that team is playing much better. It'll be a big test for them against the Vikings this week. Hmm. It's the, they're going on the Jeremiah Searles revenge tour. Yes, they're starting they off with the Bills. Yeah. Next week they got the Vikings. I think they got the Chargers coming. Hey, up they soon. got Josh Dobbs, man. Vikings are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, good work. <laughs> I, I love that that take, and uh, we'll uh, we'll run to the sports book under your advice, Searles. But uh, you look at the, the Huskers. We'll, we'll spend some more time on the NFL. But you <laughs> you hate Wisconsin, it. and they did what they did in the in the. Big Ten championship game. It's just been a long road, man. It's been a long road. It's nine losses to Wisconsin. They're really reeling. I mean, they Nebraska's had some some kick in the jimmy losses the last two weeks. We'll get there too. But Wisconsin seems like they're broke a little bit. I mean, they kind of feel like past Nebraska. Yeah, and the more I've looked in them and watched their tape, you know, I'm trying to figure out like what is going on, like what is happening, right? I think everyone thought Luke Fickle's going to show up to Wisconsin. He's going to create this high flying, high powered offense, spread them out, running gun. But the more you look at the tape, you have to understand that Luke Fickle's trying to play chess with checkers pieces. Like this Wisconsin team is still built like they have been for the last however many decades of. Big fellas up front, big physical backs that run downhill, receivers that got recruited there to be more blockers than burners. And you look at where Luke Fickle's come from with Ohio State and Cincinnati, he's had dudes and athletes on the edge. Not taking anything away from Wisconsin's receivers, they're solid. But he doesn't have the keys and the pieces to play the type of offense that he wants to play. And so it's a little square peg round holy on what they're trying to do offensively. And the more you watch it, you're starting to see more frustration build, starting to see the turnovers because people are trying to force things a little too much. Now Braylon Allen might be hurt. Like they are just trying to put as many, they have leaks all over the dam. They're trying to plug them as fast as they can, but the faster they plug them, the more that seem to keep just popping up. Flip it around. You look at Nebraska's offense, a lot of criticism this week on third down and seven. Uh, It seems like Nebraska can tend to get away from what's working. Uh, there's also injuries. There's also a quarterback merry-go-round. And two of the three have made some questionable decisions uh, when it comes to the passing game. I mean, really three of the three have made questioning decisions. I mean, all three of those guys, for me, have not taken care of the football in the air. Right? I mean, you can go back to Michigan State last week with Heinrich Harburg. He's got a bullock that's running wide open. If you throw it to the wrong corner, or you throw it to the free safety standing in there who's ready to catch a punt. Right? Like Those are the type of things that you look at and go, okay, this quarterback room is ready for someone to take the reins and go, I'm not going to turn the football over. I'm going to manage the game. I'm not going to put my superhero cape on and do too much because that's not who I am. And I'm going to lead this football team. 
And none of those three guys, in my opinion, did it. Now, Chubba Purdy hasn't had ample time for me to really pass that judgment on to him. In fact, I thought the offense actually got a pretty nice little spark when he went into the game last week, and I'd like to see what that guy can do with a start-to-finish game, right? It's easy to come in off the bench and just play with pure emotion. Trust me, you're talking to a guy that came off the bench a lot in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You come off the bench, you kind of just black out completely and just ride high on adrenaline. But I'd love to see what he can do from first snap in the first to the final snap in the fourth and see what kind of players he developed into from what we saw a few years ago when he started. But that quarterback room is a mess. Offensively, we got to lean on other guys. Emmett Johnson's got to be a guy that we continue to just hand the ball to a ton. I'd like to see Fedoni get woken back up and get find a way to get the ball to him. But overall, when you have a, a quarterback room that is not the strength of your offense, it falls on the other 11 guys on the uh, the other 10 guys on the field to really make the difference. Searles, does does Nebraska try and do too much in their passing game? And to be fair, some of the shots downfield have been open. So the 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 the, the route tree's been there. There there's guys that have been open that have been passed up. Uh, or in in Kemp's case, he was wide open for for a touchdown. They went to Fedoni. It was picked. It looked exactly like the Michigan State. Uh, interception, you know, just an errant throw over the top. But Nebraska is not doing much of any short passing. I mean, you saw a screen attempt, but there's no eight yard let the the tight end settle uh, on a on a button hook. There's no crossing routes. Uh, it, it seems like everything's go big. And do you think Nebraska maybe has a different approach this week? I would like to think so. You know, I, I've read that criticism. I've saw that criticism quite a bit, but the more I've looked at it and thought about it and kind of looked at this scheme, the intermediate routes in the short passing game are really made successful because you have good route runners. And we have a very young wide receiver room that are not great polished route runners, right? Billy Kemp is our scat quick guy, but he's a transfer. He's played a lot of football. You go down from them, like guys that are not the quick in and out of breaks, Getting separation on an eight-yard route is tough when you're not a spurner or a speedster. You can get out of a break very quickly. And, you know, Alex Bullock, Ty Hahn, love those guys to death, but they're not going to out-athlete a DB in the Big Ten. Right? That's just not what's going to happen. And so in order to create schemes to get these guys open, it's got to be play action, give them time, and give them opportunities to get down the field and create create bigger separation because it's a longer developing route than it is for these guys to be able to just go quickly in and out. But I would like to see us find a way to incorporate Fedoni and Borkature or even get Emmett Johnson involved in a swing pass or letting him go one-on-one with a linebacker to get the ball out of these quarterbacks' hands quicker so they can make faster decisions. It's Jeremiah Searles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, you look at it last week for Wisconsin, 45 passing attempts for Tanner Mordecai in his first game back from injury. That's ridiculous. It doesn't feel like Wisconsin. I understand the injury concerns with Braylon Allen. Whenever Braylon Allen's gotten 20-plus rushes in a game this year, they've won. Whenever he yep. hasn't, especially in recent weeks, they've lost. So it's going to be a lot in the hands of Tanner Mordecai. I want to flip this around and ask you, Wisconsin may be throwing this football 40-plus times on Saturday, depending on Braylon Allen's injury status. How many times should Nebraska throw the football this weekend? It was, it's was it been 20-plus for a couple of weeks now. What's a healthy number realistically? Because you have a lot of fans calling for running the damn ball and, and taking the ball out of the quarterback's hands. What's a healthy number of passing attempts for Purdy or, or Sims or whoever it is? I think 18 to 21, 18 to 21, you know, and a lot of that's going to go back to having success on first down, right? You you don't have to throw the ball on third down if you're in third and three and third and twos and third and ones, right? But that's because you had success running the ball on first down. When we throw the ball on first down, 
I don't have the stat in front of me, but I'm pretty sure we probably go three and out because if it's not successful, we're not getting 10 yards in two plays. Like mm-hmm. That's just not the way this offense has been built. I think first down needs to forever and always be either a run play or a high percentage rollout naked type of play that gives the quarterback a run pass option that if the first read's not there, he tucks it and runs it, gets at least two or three, right? <clears throat> that's where this offense has to go. It has to remain simple. It has to be understanding of what we are and what we aren't. And it has to also understand that we cannot fall behind. So that means we have to sustain drives early in the first quarter and flip the field position when we can. Can can this offense work being simple against Wisconsin's defense and against Iowa's defense? How 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 dressed up do you have to get? Wisconsin's defense, I think we can stay a little bit more simple than we want. Um, they, they excuse me than we can against Iowa's defense. Mm-hmm. Iowa's defense, I hate saying it, they may shut us out. Right, like that that defense is everything's advertised. Every level has dudes. Cooper DeGene is playing at an unreal level right now in the back end for them. Like that team, as always is, is lights out on defense. Wisconsin is still built like they always have been, which is they want to rush the passer on third down. Right. They're historically have put in great pass rushers in the NFL, from the Watt brothers to Nate Herbig last year, you know, uh, Keanu Benton the year before like last year as well. You know, they've always had dudes up front, but they have not been very successful on early downs and getting to their bread and butter, which is the blitzing and blitzing often on third down and creating different ways in which they're coming after the quarterback. So I think we can remain simple against them. It's just more about execution than it is scheme when you're talking about this Nebraska run game. So, how do you think the, the Husker defense can hold up against this Wisconsin offense? Because it's a Wisconsin offense that we've talked about it a couple times, very different than it has been in recent years. Braylon Allen's a question mark. But even with Braylon Allen, this hasn't been a Wisconsin team that's likely to rush for 100-plus yards in a game. That's not how they're built. That's not how Phil Longo wants his offense to be. And that was kind of the question with Wisconsin coming into this season is how air raid were they going to be? And as the season goes on, they've only gotten more and more air raid. And you can see there was their offense kind of suffering because of it. What do you think is, is going to be the, the task for this Husker defense on Saturday? Yeah, you know, the thing I loved about our defense, I've loved about it all year, is these DBs and our linebackers in the short and immediate, intermediate passing game, they've really been able to get guys on the ground, right? This is a team, when you talk about an air raid team, I think of like Colorado, right? Their whole goal is to get the ball into their playmakers' hands as quickly as possible and let them get yak yards, right? Yards after the catch. But when you talk about Wisconsin and you look back at historically what they've done to Nebraska, I think regardless if they go air raid or not, they're going to try and look to out-physical us. Right? They're going to go look and go, all right, you're a move dif- defense. You're a defense that's running all over the place. You've got bodies in and out. We're going to try and come right at you. And I do think that's what they're going to try and do initially. But I have such great faith in our defense that they're going to keep us in every game. Like, I really do. Like, they have yet to show me... Against Michigan State, they blinked a little bit, but they were able to get it back on track. I've yet to see a game snowball for Tony White, right? Michigan doesn't count. They cheated. But, like, you know, (laughs) you go back to it, like the rest of the year, I feel like our defense has given us our chance to stay in every game, and I don't see that changing. Jeremiah Searles with us, uh, Papa Searles, and can find him on Twitter at Searles71 underscore HSKR, talking Nebraska, Wisconsin. Searles, where are you at confidence-wise? Do you think Nebraska can split, win out, or are you worried about just 5-7 and seven being the, the final note? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm slightly worried about 5-7 and seven being the final note and us all looking back on that cold 
that beautiful night in Minneapolis in weeks one going, man, we really needed that one, right? And I can remember walking out of that stadium going, that one's going to come back to hurt us, right? I think Iowa is a tougher test than Wisconsin based off of just mm-hmm. their defense and the way that they're put together. I think if we get bowl eligible, it's going to have to be this week. And if we can win against Wisconsin this week and gain some confidence going into a home game against Iowa, Iowa hate week, all those fun things and the rivalry games that play into it, we give ourselves a chance. We lose this game against Wisconsin, though, and kind of rattle off three losses in a row here. It's going to be hard going against an Iowa team that also hates us. Well, Sir, you talk about the missed opportunities this year with Minnesota. That one hurt. You go to Michigan State. A touchdown that probably shouldn't have been a touchdown. And with Michigan State's horrible field goal kicking, you don't know what happens there. Against Maryland, hand the ball off on third down, kick the field goal, take the lead, put it in the hands of your defense. Just missed opportunities abound this year that Nebraska get two, maybe three more wins on the season if some things go a little differently. Is that a reason for encouragement for you that Nebraska was that close? Or is that discouragement that Nebraska is finding a way to lose lose football games again? I'm trying to separate myself from the last five years of the Scott Frost regime Mm -hmm. of like, oh, here we go again, right? Like, because that's kind of what it fell into when when Scott Frost was here. It was like, man, we just find ways to invent ways to lose football games, right? Like, that's just what we do. And I haven't felt as much like that this year versus more I'm trying to look at it from the lens of, okay, first-year head coach, first year with the team, they're growing, they're learning, they're going to learn from each other, they're going to correct the mistakes and move on because it hasn't really been repeat ways of losing the football game besides the turnovers, right? The turnovers are the one big black mark on our resume, which that's with any team. In NFL, college, peewee, it doesn't matter. You turn the football over, you're going to lose football games. But I felt like we've fixed some things as far as we're not seeing the 15-yard penalty personal foul on a third in game and someone's losing their cool or we're not seeing the substitution errors as much anymore. We had a game this year with zero penalties. So it is for me, I view it in a positive as long as I don't let my mind go to that dark place of here we go again. Searles, last thought, what is it about November in the Big Ten? I mean, can you put into words just the, the that stretch run? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's a war of attrition. Everyone's beat up. The Big Ten's a physical league. It always has been. It always will be. And the teams that have success in November are the ones that have stayed healthy through September and October, right? When you're beat up and you're losing quarterbacks and you're losing running backs and O-linemen and D-linemen, and I mean, everyone's going to have their fair share of injuries. That's when your depth truly gets tested. And the good teams seem to have better depth than the lower level teams. And they're the ones that can withstand that type of injury thing there in the middle of the season and then get their guys healthy back towards the end of November as you head into conference championship time or into your bowl game season or any of those things. It's just a tough, brutal league to play in week in and week out. Searles will check in next week. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Go Big Red. Good stuff from Searles. We'll uh, check in next. Barry Alvarez on Nebraska, Wisconsin. Chip Kelly out at UCLA. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and he's a college football Hall of Famer and a Nebraska football Hall of Famer, longtime coach and AD at Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez back with us. Coach, it's uh, Wisconsin Nebraska Week, Nebraska Wisconsin Week. Uh, are you excited? How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm down in. I place down in one of my places down in Naples, Florida, but I'm flying back for the game. 
Well, what's what's this season been like for you to watch Wisconsin? I'll start there with Coach Fickle and the transition. You know, and I I, I got a chance to watch him during camp. Um, you know, I think I, I like I like uh, Luke. I like his staff. Uh, there's always a transition time. You know, they're going through that. They're getting to know the players and players getting to know them. Um, you know, it's you know, our people are used to winning, like Nebraska. You're used to winning and uh, lose tight ball games and games that, you know, you go into as a, as a favorite and you lose them. You know, those, those, are, those are difficult, but you know, those are some of the growing pains a new staff goes through. Coach, how did you navigate growing pains and, and kind of matching or cr- creating new expectations during your career? You took over and built a real winner, and then you maintained and, and had a, a great career, but you got to kind of feed the monster. How did you deal with that? Well, you know, early on when we, were, when we first got there, we, we weren't very good. I had a good staff. We recruited well and hard. Um, but getting through, you know, that especially the first year, you really didn't have much of a chance. But from then on, we were pretty competitive, and um, we, we built a foundation of what our program was all about. It was about being physical. It was about not beating yourself, not making mistakes. We were going to run the ball. We were going to control the ball. We were going to manage the clock. Um, we had a plan to win. We were always going to be sound on defense and physical on defense. And everybody knew it. The offense knew we wanted them to run it. You know, we would control the game. We'd throw the ball around some, but we were going to control it by running it. And uh, everybody knew the game plan. Everybody knew what their role was. And our guys just put their nose to the grindstone. And that's what we did. And, and we got to the point it didn't make any difference who we played. We can go on the road to – Ohio State and go into that stadium and feel like we can match up physically. And when you can do that, you got a chance to win. It's Barry Alvarez with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Barry, it's interesting because Nebraska and Wisconsin kind of in the same place in terms of a culture shift here year one under new head coaches. And I want to get your thoughts on how important it is to get some of those growing pains out of the way that we've seen here in year one before some of those West Coast powers come to the conference here next season. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't even think about the West Coast powers. You know, the, the guys come in, you know, Nebraska, Luke and uh, your guy, and, and you know, they, they want to win. Fans want to win. Uh, players want to win. Um, you know, you, this important game for the winner comes out of this game with bowl eligibility and another game to play. Bowls are important for the development of the team, and particularly – for a new coach, worry about those teams coming into the league when they come into the league. I don't even cross that doesn't even cross my mind right now. Mm. But right now, what you're trying to do is get another game uh, and practice time with your team and, and start a bolstering of your own. Well, Barry, with with the game on Saturday, if we're just going to zoom in on that. Obviously super important, both teams trying to get to six. It's a November night game. You're down in Florida. Are you looking forward to making it back for Wisconsin in a November night game? Are you, are you uh, a little bit worried about that cold? I'm not worried about the cold. Actually, it's supposed to be a pretty nice day. And I, I come back and forth. I don't, I'm down here uh, the majority.
majority of the winter, but I get, you know, I've got, I go back and forth for different games for the weekends and stuff. Well, Nebraska tried to prep for, for, uh, Camp Randall and, uh, uh, was practice was going today. Uh, jump around was exceedingly loud. So Nebraska was trying to, to deal with that. And uh, Nebraska has been dealt uh, some, some, some tough hands when it comes to injury. And, Coach, when we started talking a long time ago, you always said you need uh, a handful of third-team or even fourth-team guys by the time November rolls around. Uh, let's speak a little bit to that development and how, uh, how real it is in the Big Ten. It gets to that final month and just how physical and, quite frankly, teams are beat up for that final stretch. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can relate this. The first year Penn State was in the league, and we played them. They had, you know, they had, they had a good record coming in when they came into the league. And we had a very physical game with them. I think they might have beaten us by a point or two, and I got a call that Wednesday from, from Coach Paterno, and he said, you know, we learned something valuable in your game. Uh, we, we're gonna, we just came, I just came out of a meeting. We're going to change how we recruit. We, we can't recruit these small, fast linemen anymore and, de- and de- depend on speed. We're so beat up after your game. It was such a physical game. We, can't, we haven't even practiced yet. <laughs> so, you know, that, that told me what the league was like, and, and uh, I've tried to share that with some friends that, that have come into the league. You better be physical. You better have some depth in the line, or you, you'll, you'll be beat up so bad uh, you'll be putting a skeleton crew out there. Barry Alvarez, a couple more minutes with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, have you paid much attention to Nebraska? Have you kept an eye on the Big Red this year? I keep, I keep an eye on scores. I, you know, I don't know personnel mm-hmm. that well, but I keep an eye on scores. I always know what they're doing and how they're doing and, and how they're moving along impressions from some of that scoreboard watching? Um, they remind me of the Wisconsin team. You know, they're good enough to win. Uh, they've be- made mistakes to beat themselves at times, much like the Wisconsin team. And before you can win, <laughs> you have to stop beating yourself. How, how did you drill down on that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you did it through practice, but just what was your – regiment like from a ball security standpoint because between fumbles and interceptions I know picks are, are going to happen but some of the interceptions Nebraska's thrown have been you know as, as coach Rule touched on you got to be intentional with the football you just can't lob it up and hope something good happens uh, to a spot but your your work and I guess your um, refinement with with your team so when it came to taking care of the football well, you know, that, that's something that's, that's drilled into your athletes every day and every drill, every time they touch a ball. You know, we've had guys carry, carry a football. We call it high and tight, how they're going to carry it, uh, how they're going to carry it if they've had any fumble issues around campus with them all week, just to get familiar with the ball. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we, we, there's such an emphasis on it, and guys were so aware of it, you know, that eventually it pays off. Has Coach Fickle reached out to you at all, uh, or did he before taking the job yeah, we, as, as far as – He and I talked go talk, uh, going into the season. Since I haven't been back there that much, I, I talked to him. I went up 
uh, about two weeks ago when I was back, I stopped in the office and we visited a little bit. Uh, I spent a little time at, at practices during camp. But, uh, yeah, we have talked. How how did that discussion go? I know he came from Cincy and he's been a longtime Big Ten assistant. Uh, did he have concerns? Was there excitement? Do you, can you share any of those comments? You know, I, I think, you know, I think more questions on on how we how things were operate how things operated in Madison, the things we did, traditions that we did, um, you know, the, just the uh, the program itself, what these kids had, you know, what they know in the past, what's been successful in the past, what he can adopt, uh, anything like that. And his assistants have been very good that way also. It's Barry Alvarez with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, talking Nebraska, Wisconsin. And, and Barry, I also want to get your thoughts here on the Michigan situation that we've seen over the past couple of weeks is Jim Harbaugh officially got his suspension from the Big Ten last week. And you being a former coach, I want to get your thoughts just on the situation as a whole and the suspension as levied by the Big Ten. I think, first of all, it's a, it's a great advantage if you know signals going into a game. Now, during a game, coaches are going to look across the field. I never did because I always felt like if you have to depend on when somebody signals, you got problems. But uh, but if somebody knows the signals going in, it's, you know has studied them, matched them up with game film, and is standing there telling an offensive play caller or defensive play caller what the play is, it's a tremendous advantage, and that's that's different than stealing signals during a game, uh, sending out someone during the week or during the season. The video and then matching them up that's uh that that's that's over the top have you ever heard of that i mean you've been around college football for a number of years anything like this ever pop up in the past i have never heard of it before man and what uh do you have a reaction to to michigan perhaps wanting to challenge or, or at least get a, a restraining order so he can be on the sideline well, I guess that's their their right to do that, mm-hmm. uh, and our and our league has the right to, to, to impose punishment or impose restrictions, and and, and uh, which they did. Um, so, but that that's that's Michigan's right to do that. Now it's the league or whoever makes that final decision. What did you think of the the three game suspension? Was that too harsh? Too too little? Just about right? What was your reaction to that? Um, I thought it was about right. Mm-hmm. I thought it was about right. He, he spent, suspended himself for three games. No, what he suspended himself for one game. Uh, you know, early in the year <laughs> it was something like that, and then it turned into three. There was going to be four. It turned into three. So Michigan's crushing people, and and he's he's going to end up missing if things get carried out about half the season, coach. <laughs> yeah. Well. How good they are! Yeah, they are loaded. They are loaded. They're playing very well, and he's done a good job recruiting. And Jim's done a good job there. You know, I hate you know as good a season as he has going on. I hate to see that going on in our league, and they have to deal, you know, for he and his team to have to deal with those type things. But uh, what's right's right. Mm-hmm. 
few more minutes, Barry Alvarez with us, talking Nebraska-Wisconsin, the final glove-touching as members of the West before things uh, zoom out. More on Chip Kelly's departure and a few more thoughts with Coach Alvarez. He continues on next segment with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Barry Alvarez, a couple more minutes with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You've been on the playoff committee before and uh, BCS as well. And who's wowed you, aside from Michigan this year? If you had a top four uh, teams that, that have kind of caught your eye, who do you think's making a push for a title, aside from Michigan? Well, Georgia's really good, as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't you don't have to get much further than Alabama. Saban does a heck of a job. I know they lost one game. They've had some games tighter than others, but push comes to shove. Uh, I like the Alabama team, and I like the Ohio State team. Mm-hmm. A lot of openings early in this college football carousel. Uh, A&M uh, letting Jimbo go, and here's the price tag. What was it, $76 million to, to go away? Uh, you have... Uh, Mississippi State that that is open, and then you have interim situations at, at Michigan State, and and also at Northwestern. Northwestern and Coach Braun, man, they're knocking on the door of a bowl game. Uh, Brett's really had a nice bounce back at Illinois, and Coach, what's your take on on the Michigan State job? Also, uh, a thought with the Mississippi State job and th- those openings. I mean, are those? Uh, pretty coveted spots or is that a tough spot to go into I, I, in East Lansing I think I think Michigan State is a great job mm-hmm. you know they have history they, they're in a tremendous location to recruit you know not only Michigan but they're close to the Chicago they're close to the East Coast um, they've got a good campus they have some history um, I think that's a very good job I, I don't know much about the Mississippi states of the world, mm-hmm. um, but the Michigan State game, the Michigan State job is a very good job. Northwestern, um, you know, guys have won there. Mm-hmm. It's just won championships. They've not been able to stay consistent there, but you know, every so often they'll jump up and and, and win a division or win the league. So guys have won at Northwestern. You have to get the right guy that knows how to, you know, has a plan for a private school and take advantage of, of the fact that they have money, they have a great location, nice campus, tremendous league. Um, they're, 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 they're selling points at Northwestern, too. Coach, last thought, we'll get you out and always love spending time with you, and uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes here. Uh, Iowa, with their situation, they just keep on keeping on with that defense, and, uh, you know, Kirk is... Uh, said he's going to be back. W- what do you feel? What's your gut say? Do you think Kirk uh, steps away after this year based on what's happened with his son in the OC position, or do you think he keeps on going uh, throughout his contract? Well, I thought I read where Kirk came out and said his plan is to continue to coach for a number of more years. Yeah, I had, uh, I had seen that so earlier. I, I, mm-hmm. I know Kirk. I, I was the guy that picked him up when he was 23 years old came in for an interview. So... I know a lot about Kirk, and he's a good man. He's an honest guy. Done a heck of a job there. You know, it's not the sexiest. They don't win the sexiest way by putting 50 points up. 
but they win. And he's continues to win. And, and uh, you know, like a lot of places, they're not satisfied just winning. Um, after, after you get, you know, you've won for so many years, they take it for granted. But Iowa win a long time. I went there with Hayden Fry. Uh, they had 17 straight losing seasons. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Kirk continues to win and win Fry, I don't know, eight to ten games every year. So he's he's got a little you know he knows how to win, he has a formula to win there, and it's good defense, good kicking game. Um, I think see he, he puts a good offense on field. Nobody will be able to beat. Him. Yeah, they're they're pretty loaded defensively. Did style points matter to you ever? You mentioned winning sexy, and Nebraska's had to win some ugly, and they've lost some ugly, and, and they're a work in progress. But uh, rules foundations pretty firm. Did, did it matter to you, or did you just want one more point? I wanted to win. <laughs> you know, what you do, you know, it may not be pretty, and, you know, there may be criticism of how you played and the mistakes you made, but bottom line is you got you have to win. And then, then you go back on Sunday or Saturday night, whenever you do it, and you go through and you, and you try to correct the mistakes you, you've made. But winning is hard. Mm. It's really hard in the Big Ten. And – when you win, you got to celebrate. Um, you, got, you, you know, you got to reward your kids, and they've got to feel good about it. But then, you have to point out the mistakes, and and there's always the emphasis on improvement, and that, that's the important thing. But man, we won! I we, I celebrated. <laughs> Barry Alvarez, coach, enjoy Saturday night. Thanks for a few minutes today. Okay, you're welcome. Good to spend time with Barry Alvarez and. Uh, did not get a chance to ask him about UCLA, but good perspective there. Coach Prime today, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, go uh, old school here and play it off the phone into the microphone just because it's hard. Can, can you play this over the stream or no? No, no. No. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that this way. But Prime was, yes, I am. Prime was asked about uh, UCLA. Or I should say A&M. Texas A&M coaching vacancy. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I want to win. I want to win a game. So you think I really do sit down and think about that kind of stuff? Like what what strikes me about that, about myself, that you guys really think I sit down and say, oh, yeah, Stevie, they, yeah. Like, come on. Come on, I'm good. Like, uh, we got to win. Let's let's focus on this week when we play Friday. So we lose a day of, of practice. So we got to focus. So he's uh, he's worried about winning. I don't know that he's first, second, third, or 18th choice at A&M. But how about prime to UCLA? Well, they have to fire Chip first. On three reporting that Chip is out at UCLA. Not yet. He is going to be fired after the USC game is what they're reporting, which is always interesting, right? Like, oh, yeah, he's going to be fired following the game. But he knows he's out. He gets one more hurrah, doesn't he? Well, that's what you would think. But what happens if they go and beat USC handily? Well, the point is they lost it. Well, they went eight and four last year, right? But for them to to lose to Arizona State and Arizona, both these Arizona schools have been pain in the neck. I mean, they're 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 pretty good. I mean, one of the names um, uh, is uh, Arizona's coach to look for. I, I just always look at these types of things interesting. Like, oh, he's going to be fired here soon. Like, if you knew, wouldn't you just fire him now? Right? Is that just me? Like, if, if you knew, wouldn't you just fire him now? Like, what's the, what's the point of having him go out there and be a lame duck coach he, knowing he's going to get fired? Just whack him so you can go get somebody better. 
if you're UCLA. But the problem is, is listen, the biggest problem with, with UCLA is not their talent or the fact that they've always just never been able to, in their sleep, go 10-2. and two. They've always been 8-4, and 7-. They've always underachieved. And the reason they do it, I think, is part of the assistant coaches. They've had good ones, but you can't keep them. And you've always gone and you made a move. Bob Toledo, some problems uh, following Terry Donahue. And then you had Coral Durrell, and he's not the answer, right? And then you go with Rick Skippy Neuheisel, uh, and he wasn't the answer. Was he at UC? Yeah, he ended up at UCL. He, he did the Pac-10 slash 12 tour. Yeah, Matthew Chimes, and they fired him directly before the Rose Bowl. Right. Which is different than firing somebody after USC, but still before the last game of the season. It's, it's you, you, get a, you get a jump on this circle, but you're a public university, which means your salaries can't compete with UCA as a UCL, USC as a private institute. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity Radio on a Tuesday. Big thanks to Barry Alvarez. Jeremiah Searles, Mitch Sherman with The Athletic. And uh, back tomorrow at 4, get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. You can watch the show, rewatch the show, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to that, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter. Give that a follow. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Tony White checked in today as well. We heard from Satterfield earlier and uh, trying to play Free and also correct the turnover issues. Nothing too groundbreaking today from Sat on what's going on other than, yeah, take care of the football. And you heard Barry Alvarez say both teams are very similar. Nebraska right now trying to stay out of their own way. Wisconsin just problematic with taking care of the football. And it's just been, it, it is, is up and down as the season's been in year one for Nebraska. There seems to be... Uh, a sense of, all right, this is going in the right direction from the most important guys, and that's the guys in the locker room. You got dudes freaking out at Wisconsin, and that is not what you want in year one. And um, if you're Wisconsin, it's a great opportunity. We'll say it again for three weeks in a row. Great opportunity for Nebraska. Loved hearing these comments about Ty Robinson from Coach White. He's going to be a big guy on Saturday night. He's one of those upperclassmen that need to, to get a win over W and uh, Wisconsin uh, before they say goodbye. That's a great question right there because I got mad respect for Ty. You know, I, I, I was recruiting him at my old school, one of my old schools, when he was in high school from Arizona State. And, uh, and, you know, you always saw the talent and you always saw that. And then during the year, I think all of us have seen glimpses of, of, of him dominating Right. You've seen stretches where he just decides, like, hey, I'm better than everybody. And then I thought this last game, that's that's that was a performance that you look back and you say you you that that was amazing what you did. I mean, he he's moving opposite ways and sees a screen thrown the other side and he puts a foot in the ground and he runs over there and he chases stuff down. I mean, he's taking on double teams and he's splitting them like like they're not even there. I mean, I thought this last game really showed what what Ty can do 
two tie, you know, and he was he's probably the one of the best defense, one of the best players on the field, period, last game. And it was it was awesome to see. And so now with Ty, the trick is how does he get himself back in that mode, you know, that have that attitude where he is, you know, he but it comes back to the practices, right? It always starts from the preparation, him knowing what to do, him him going out there and practicing that all week and then living up to what he what he can do, you know. Last side here from Coach White, Broyles Award finalist, resiliency, uh, very key after tough setbacks, and he doesn't look at, at losses as setbacks per se. I'm putting, I'm kind of paraphrasing before we hear the comment, but uh, it, just here's Tony White. I'll hey, shut up. We're out of time. No, really? Yeah. How long is it? It's a 54 second cut, and we are Ugh. here in 40 seconds exactly. Long and short is. Uh, he talked about the defense and the, the the jumps the defense has made this year and really what they've been able to do with different personnel. It's pretty cool. And he's analyzed that personnel, put them in the best position. That's why it's kind of got on gone on without a hitch. And they've been uh, really special. We'll talk back tomorrow at 4. Don't forget Friday Roadshow in La Vista. The Herd at Sports Bar and Grill. We're up there. Weekend edition going to be a 4-6 to six Saturday show in front of Nebraska-Wisconsin kickoff. But back tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Logger. Take care. A Huda Media Production.